Seven o'clock. So, welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Um, hey, y'all. Hey, can we get in our seats? We're doing this thing. How many of you have been here before? Okay, how many of you have not been here before? Okay, very good. First of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you are liable to perceive us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. The primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here is we take a look at the instructions for a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Yes? yes? So what I'm going to try and do, and what I've done for a lot of years, is I try and show you how I find my experience in the book, not tell you what it says, because it's a book of experience. It's none of my business what it says to you, but I'm going to show you how I find what it says to me, and I'm going to encourage you to have your own experience. And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and know that that's what happened? Very good. And so for those of you online, they're raising their hands, but the anonymous nature of fellowship, we can't show you that. So you'll have to take that on faith. <laughs> anyway, tonight we're, in, we're absolutely going to encounter some power because that's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to take a look at the second step, which is coming to believe in power. And so we're going to have this encounter, and I will suggest to you if you... You've never been shown what these authors discovered, and you've heard some of the silliness that we have in our fellowships about what this step entails. Um, you may, may have your eyes opened a little bit, because these are precise instructions of where and how we find this power, how to recognize the power in us and through us, and then what we need to do to improve our consciousness, our awareness of being aware of that power in and on us. Make sense? Okay, so we're going to be in page 44, chapter 4, and it's a chapter entitled, We Agnostics. So I want to go back to, who is we? The first 100. Yeah, the first 100 were the we they talked about when they, they start talking in this book. So they're bearing witness to their experience, and they're going to tell us a little more about their demographics in this chapter, who they were, what their beliefs were, that kind of thing. Fair enough? So it says, in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. So how many of you have read some of this book and have learned something of alcoholism or addiction? How many of you learned a lot about it out with lived experience? So some of this doesn't inform us as much as it, as it helps us interpret the experience we've had that was sort of difficult to interpret. Yes? Yeah. Okay. So, so we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. So they hope that. Have they made clear to you the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic according to what they discovered? Yes. And that is? They said the alcoholic, we may have many similarities, but we have one symptom in common. Yeah, we seem to have this abnormal reaction the doctor discovered. Perhaps an allergy when we ingest alcohol. That sets us apart as a distinct entity. 
So you only really need to focus not so much on the situation, not so much on all the demographics, just when you ingest alcohol, did you find that that chemical energized you? It's a sedative. <laughs> That's an abnormal reaction to a sedative. Did you sometimes set out to drink or use with an intent to do other things and overshoot the mark a little bit? Did that happen more than once? That's a symptom of that manifestation of craving. Does it make sense? So it doesn't mean necessarily that you are alcoholic or an addict of the hopeless variety, but it means you might want to read further just in case you are. Because remember, delusion's a real thing. A lot of us get here and we don't think there's anything wrong with us. I just got a little drug issue. But we're certifiably crazy. And we don't believe it. People say, I don't believe it, I'm insane. Well, do you believe in mental illness? Well, yes, I do. Okay, have you ever found yourself behaving in incomprehensible ways with no earthly explanation that you can give to anyone? Why, well, yes, I have. Now, define for me what an insane actor is. Have you ever had an intention to do one thing and found yourself doing another? Perhaps we should dig further just in case you are one, yeah. right? Okay, all right, so if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, so have you tried that stop and stay stopped? Yep. Yep. How many of you discovered some complexity with the stop and stay stopped plan? Yep. Didn't work. Or if when drinking, you have a little control over the amount you take, have you discovered that? Yep. They say you're probably alcoholic. Why do the authors not diagnose us? Yeah, it's none of their business. What's it matter, your opinion of my condition? There's a lot of people that were pretty sure I was a little twisted. I used it as an excuse. Anyone else? Of course I drank like this. I'm alcoholic. What would you expect? But did I really understand the gravity of it? Clearly not. Okay. So if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So how many of you hearing that kind of go, oh, I don't know about that. Go back to, if you're new, fine. If you've been around a while, think about how you thought. Only a spiritual experience will conquer this. How many of you receive that news well? Many of us don't, right? Some of us, because we're already believers, and I'm just going to one step to Jesus, and it's going to be cool. And some, because we don't believe in any of that stuff and don't believe the power of God can be proven. Yes? And so it just sounds like a bunch of nonsense and I don't want to hear it. And what these guys, they're going to give us their demographic. They were all of the above and they're saying, our experience shows you need not be disconcerted. If you'll just be honest with yourself, we're going to walk you right through it. Make sense? Okay, so it says, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So they're acknowledging that right up front. But to continue as he is means disaster. So let's not stop with what you say you believe. Let's stop if continuing the way you're going means disaster. Because we come to believe in an illness before we come to believe in need of healing. And then we'll come to believe in the healer when we receive the healing. But I'm going to have to seek the healer to get the healing. Make sense? 
So especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. <laughs> Sean always giggles for effect. But do you, do you understand the humor? Happy, joyous, and free, alcoholic death. Pick one. Can I get back to you tomorrow? There you, you get it? Because we don't have any idea what it looks like, yes? Okay. Okay. So, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So there's the demographic piece. Half the original fellowship, they told you there were more than 100 men and women who have recovered. And now they're telling you that half of them were atheist or agnostic, professed. I believe God does not exist, or I do not believe God can be proven to exist. Yes? The rest of them had to be what? People that were, thought they were believers that were not able to demonstrate the power in their lives to live a righteous life. Yes? Any of us fit into any of those categories? Okay. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. How many of you had that go on? I'm not that bad yet. That's for those really bad drunks. Yeah? No? How many of you thought you were that bad, and then later in the day you thought, maybe I overreacted? But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So let me take some, there's been some deception in the rooms over the years that you can remain atheist or agnostic here. They're saying by their testimony they thought they were one thing. Their experience shows you need not be disconcerted. We'll show you the spirit and then you'll walk in the spirit because the spirit is the power you need because the drug you were on, after you took the first hit, it took the second hit. And we have to encounter a power here on earth that will take the second hit for us. So the minute you encounter this power, you don't ever have to worry about taking another hit of this power. That, that power is going to take the hit for you. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. Why do you think they call alcohol spirits? Yeah. But alcohol is the spirit of what was. And I'm living in the time of what is. So I need to live in the spirit of what is and what will be. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So it says if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So how many of you tried a different philosophy of life? Any of you change your play, playmates and playthings? Playgrounds? Did you find out you could identify a dope peddler on almost any playground on the planet? <laughs> See, it's not an external thing, right? Where'd they tell us the main problem of the addict centered in the mind? And they're going to find out that in this chapter where we find the power. It's within us too. So the problem and the solution, either one, never are found out there. They're found within us. So it's just a matter of what you're going to feed, right? Okay, 
So we found such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Try and get their earnestness. How many of you have been in such a terrible loop, thought life to emotion, that you couldn't get out of it? Just miserable, anxious, worrying. Many of you guys that are members here, I hear from you all the time. Anxious, worrying, I got to do this. I got, and, and I know and I can feel you. But what I need is power to be philosophically comforted. I don't have that within me, although it flows through me. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, it says, our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Is that true for you? You tried different things. Maybe you checked into a rehab. Maybe you did different whatever. And then maybe it was a worse thing after that. Is that true? I don't know who I've got in a room. I'm just asking. But they talk about a progressive. I tried it, and then I failed utterly. And eventually I got to screw it. If I don't try again, I can't fail again. Anybody with me somewhere along that journey? Okay. So they conclude lack of power. That was our dilemma. Now this isn't necessarily you. This is me because I've agreed with their experience. And this is them, the first 100 who write this book about how they were recovered. Yes? Not recovering, recovered. It's not a medical thing. It's a mining thing. Taken from a scrap heap and raised to a level of life better than the best I've ever known. I found purpose in every ounce of suffering I ever experienced because this power informs my steps and takes me to people who need to encounter them. Yes? Okay. So it says lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. They put that in italics. Why? We might want to pay attention to that. And we want to get on it because we often think self-reliance. I'm just not picking up no matter what. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Does your lived experience cast doubt on that? I mean, it may look like I'm not picking up no matter what, but if I was living in the obsession I lived in an active addiction, I pick up no matter what. You tell me there's a consequence, show me. Right? But once that's removed, I'm not driven by that anymore. Does it make sense? Okay. So we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? Precise instructions on how they were recovered. So we don't want to make it up, and we don't want to listen to Barney in the back row. It ain't a group of drunks. It's not a light bulb or a doorknob. Unless you swallow that motherfucker, it ain't that. It's down inside you. And they're going to tell us where. So we're going to go look at that now. So go to page 55. All right, so it says, actually, we were fooling ourselves. So who's we? The first 100. So half of them were atheists or agnostics. Half of them were believers who were not able to demonstrate the precepts of their faith. Yes? Okay. For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Is anyone in here not man, woman, or child? or some combination thereof. So every, every one of us is part of that population, right? So they're saying the fundamental idea of God is within you. Where do your ideas come from? My brain. Okay. So what we don't want to do, 
This is not your conception of creator, no matter how many workbooks you've seen that tell you to write down your conception. The created should not create the creator. You will always undershoot the mark. This power is found within us, and the fundamental idea of God is the purpose for which I was placed here. And the minute I discover my purpose, the power to carry that out is immediately evident. Both found deep down inside. Does that make sense? So, say it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it's there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. So how many of you have had a friend? Two of you? <laughs> how did that friend make you feel? Now, for my religious friends, don't get nervous. I'm not saying God is a feeling. What I am telling you is your awareness of the feeling is the power we call God. It's evidence of life. Thank you, Sean. I'm glad you noticed my shoes. These are new PON shoes. Okay. So if you've ever had a feeling for a friend, rather, whether you got enraged or rather you got goosebumps, you know enough about this power. We're not talking about your attachment to things human. We're talking about the experience, the recording of emotion, and how it sometimes drives us, and the fact that you have an awareness of it is this power we're talking about. Does that make sense? Okay. So sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there, capital H. So they've told us where and how. Where are we going looking? Deep down inside, because the answers for you are in you. They're not in the rooms. They're not in me. They're not in this book. The answers for you are in you. Does it make sense? Okay. And how are we going to find it? Sometimes we're going to have to search fearlessly. And fearlessly does not mean without fear. It means in spite of the fear, which is why I'm going to encounter this power first and have him go in with me. Because he already knows what I think no one knows. Okay. So he was as much a fact as we were. Now think about the profundity of that testimony for people who were declared themselves atheists or agnostics, saying at the end of this process that this power found within me is as much a fact as I am. He is because I am evidence of he being. Yes? Okay. So we found the great reality. Notice that's capitalized. Deep down within us, in the last analysis, it's only there that it may be found. It was so with us. It's so important you get that. In the last analysis, in other words, I'm going to search everything else. I'm going to be an ease and comfort seeker my whole life, which is why I need a manner of living that will remind me when the world's luring me out to go back in and get guidance and direction. Otherwise, I end up at the dope house because I have a GPS that takes me there. Yeah? Okay. So we can only clear the ground a little bit. I want to jump back. Sorry, I got through that. Let me go back to 45. So we've done that. So it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. So what is this book about? Finding a power greater than yourself with precise instructions according to their testimony. So it's not the crap we hear in rooms. I'm not, I understand people may be loving, but they're deceived and they're deceiving. This power is the precise instructions. The power of this testimony is resonant today as it was 80, 90 years ago. 
Okay? So its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. What is my problem? I haven't used drugs or alcohol in a long time. What's my problem today? Fear, right? Yeah, any, any, any of you discovered you were overly human some days? Yeah. That means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral, and it means, of course, that we're, we're gonna talk about God. When we say God, you say power. This is a come to believe in power step. Those of you who are Bible students, you know, we do not believe in a spirit of fear, but of power and a sane mind, sound mind, yes? So, so we're, gonna, we're not trying to offend anyone, but we've got to bring everyone up on board, because sometimes we neglect one in order to not offend the other, and what we're here to do is dish truth, right from the testimony. Okay, so it says it means we're going to talk about God. Oh, yeah, that was weak. God. Good. See, the people online need to know you know. Okay, here difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. They went to great lengths to explain the difference between their program, which they wrote in the book, and their fellowships, which were growing up about them. You're unlikely to learn much about the manner of living in the fellowship. There are some meetings that are specific to it, but they're rare. Does it make sense? So we need, if you want to know about the program of recovery, right, here is the program of recovery. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. It's not here are the meetings we attended which are suggested as a program of recovery. Does it make sense? So if we don't help, it's not trying to be anal. We're trying to help people so they don't die at such a rapid rate. Okay. Um, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. Oh, that was weak. Power! Come on! For we reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. Do you relate to that? Even those of us who are believers sometimes neatly evade or entirely ignore. Yes? Okay. You ever think that you should take serious things in prayer and then think I can handle this little shit like jobs and financial transactions? Anyway, never mind. So we know how he feels. We've shared his honest doubt and prejudice. So if you're new, or you're new to the manner of living and you've been in fellowship for a long time, your only obligation to yourself is share your honest doubt and prejudice. We cannot help you if you don't. If you sit there silently and don't tell us, man, I just don't get it, so we can help point you to the right direction, then, then we, we just don't have anywhere to go. Um, some of us have been violently anti-religious. Anybody among that crowd? Okay. To others, the word God, that's better, brought up a particular idea of him which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. How many of you got t torn away from certain belief systems because of the behavior of certain believers? So we'll apologize to you right now for that experience, but that isn't God's nature, that's human nature. Okay. Um, Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. So how many of you didn't think the depth of what you knew about a given faith was enough, and so you did some exploration? Nothing wrong with that, right? So with that rejection, we imagined we'd abandon the God idea entirely. Very good. Somebody was almost on it. 
Okay, so we were, when you think, why do I want you to do that? When I say God, people will automatically shut down. But everyone in here seeks power. That's why we come to believe in power first, the tangible expression of God on earth. Power. Yes, sir. So, with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How many of you were harmed in your beliefs by people who claimed beliefs they didn't clearly demonstrate? How many of you had the same experience in recovery? Okay, so that's a pretty common human experience, but we're going to have to learn that if I want to see love and tolerance of others, I might have to empower, get empowered to demonstrate it. Yeah? Okay. So how could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? So that's a question that they ask themselves. Have you ever asked a similar question when you're doubting? Okay. And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? How many of you have contemplated that? That's a logical thing. When they put a question mark in here, this is their testimony, I want you to, to internalize it, right? Ask yourself the same question. That's what they did. Turn the statement into a question. Have I ever thought that or something like that? What was the answer I got? We're going to try, right? Rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. I'm going to have to get in the process before I come to believe in the power. Ultimately, the process and the path are the power. Does it make sense? But we're going to have to come to believe first. Okay. So, and who could comprehend the supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? Question mark. There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. So we got, this is important. Have you ever been so inspired by something that you saw that it was almost like an out-of-body experience? You saw something and go, Wow. It's almost like watching yourself watch it. And you got overwhelmed with a feeling of awe and wonder. Those are not words used lightly. How many of you have been in a dangerous situation? Look at who I'm talking to. So you've been in a dangerous situation. Did you notice that time seemed to slow down? When you're in an accident, when you're in a fight. Did you ever notice that thing seemed... When that happened, you experienced your consciousness... Making sense now? How about my athletes? Anyone in here athletes or want to be athletes? The perfect play, the perfect throw, the perfect shot, the perfect dive. You ever make that? Did you notice while you were making it, there was really no thought or effort on your part? You already saw yourself catching, throwing. You knew exactly what was going to happen. When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. All names of this power that we know, but we don't know that we know. Does that make sense? We're trying to wake you up. So we want to talk to people who know, but don't know that they know. You know how I know that you know, but you don't know that you know? Because you can feel it and you can't comprehend it. Does that make sense? If you can feel what I'm putting down, it doesn't matter what you hear me saying. You already got what I'm talking about. We just got to wake you up. Okay. 
Yes, we have agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. That's why I went to such great lengths to help you understand if you can feel what we're putting down, then you've already got it and there's a process so that you can walk in it more aware. And if you're sitting there just thinking, I wish that guy would shut up, that's fine. But we're really trying to help, we're not trying to annoy, and we're trying to point you to what these people figured out. Right? Because we've been trying to figure it out all the way here. Let us make haste to reassure you, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, so that's what I just ask you to do, whatever, if you don't like the messenger, don't pay attention to that, I'm just a vessel. Just pay attention to what we're delivering here. Lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commence to get results, even though it's impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. See, I'm not making that up either. They, do they equate them one and the same, do they not? So first we're going to become aware and acknowledge the power. Then we're going to, as a group, we're going to call that power God because of the sensory nature. We would not ever come to agreement. It's like... You know, everyone here has drank a Coke, but if you had to describe the experience of drinking a Coke without saying any of the ingredients, it would be difficult. Everyone in here smelled a rose, but if we had to describe the experience of smelling a rose without saying anything that would lead you right to a rose, it would be very difficult because of the sensory nature of it. God, the power we're talking about, is because of its sensory nature, is very elusive unless we agree on the word that points to the power. Yes? Okay. So, they say it's impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God, so we're not going to do that. We're going to walk in the experience of it and get informed through the experience. Yes? So, all you've got to do is become, express a willingness to believe in a power greater than yourself. So, one more thing we've got to talk about. People will say, well, I don't believe there is a power greater than me. I've got to ask, what are you doing in recovery then? You're wasting some valuable high time. If you don't believe that methamphetamine, heroin, cocaine, fentanyl, alcohol is a power greater than you, what are you doing hanging around with this club? Right. No one's telling you what to believe. We just want you to be honest in your experience. And we'll let you believe what you believe once you've had your encounter. But at least let's, let's acknowledge that when none of us picked this, I didn't sit around in my teen years and write a paper on how I was going to go live homeless on the street with a fucking parrot on my shoulder so that I could one day w- do this. I missed that whole cycle. Anyway. Okay, so much to our relief, we decided we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why not? Yeah, and, and, and none of us can fully conceive or con- comprehend, right? We, it doesn't matter. Everyone's conception's inadequate. The reality is the thing we want to talk about. Okay, so our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect contact with him. That make sense? So wherever you are, God will meet you there. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So we're in step two. What do you imagine that is? Have your encounter. Ask for power in three. Look within, searching fearlessly. Identify the calamities, pomps, and worships. What I was like. What happened? What happened? 
what I'm like now. I'll get an ideal by the time I'm done with the inventory. Yes? <coughs> Sorry about that. <clears throat> so, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. How did they find that? Half of them were atheists or agnostics. Half of them were believers who thought themselves already condemned. Half of them vacillated between the two. Half of them had, you know, many of them had difficult experiences with religion and then thought they rejected it. Yes? Okay. Um, to us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. So all we want to tell you is they are serious about earnestly seek. They tell you in chapter 3 that the first step in recovery is we had learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. Right? So you can't do that based on a lie. So your participation in this program of recovery is based on honestly want to and willing to make the effort. And it's not an abstinence-based program. It's a spiritual liberation program. The program. The fellowship may not ever inform you of that. It's not their job, right? It's my, my recovery is my obligation to the power who restored me. Does that make sense? Okay, so this applies too to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual, uh, spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So what that really means is these guys agreed on every word, so don't change the words. If you, if you find something troubling you and you can't find your experience in it, discuss it with another, get a dictionary, look up a meaning of the word that doesn't, right? Does it make sense? Okay. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Notice the qualification, conscious relation. Aware of my awareness. It's not... It's not a concept at this point. I've now had a tangible experience, and I'm in relationship with that experience, and so my understanding has changed. Does it make sense? This is not, do not lean on your own understanding. This is post-encounter. I have the mind of Christ for my believers. Does it make sense, what I'm trying to tell you? So what we're trying to get you to understand is God, as we understood him, at this point, Bill said, the famous atheist, that said, really, I was agnostic, and then he saw the miracle of Ebby sitting in front of him, and he felt those revelations in the flow of the Spirit, and he said, at long last, I saw, I felt, and then I believed. So no one's ever expected to come to believe without a demonstration of the power. And we don't do a good job in recovery or the church always giving the demonstration of the power. And we're trying to marry those two worlds so we do a better job helping people find that a way has been made. Yes? You don't have to make it. It's been made. Okay. So then it says, it says, afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. You don't have to know anything or you could know a great deal. But if it's not working, at least acknowledge what you know is not working. Does that make sense? We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. So here's your second step. In spite of whatever anyone else told you about writing out scripts and turning the eyes to wheeze and some of the other stuff we hear, your second step is get in a quiet place by yourself and ask yourself one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than me? And you either do or you don't. And if you don't, best wishes, 
And if you do, we emphatically assure you you're on your way. Does that make sense? So as soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. I didn't make that up. You guys thought I made that up, but I didn't. I always like you to have a book just in case you think I'm lying to you. Okay, so it's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. What cornerstone? Cornerstone of willingness. Right? That's why we tell you later in the steps, you're going to find out that willingness is divine power. I better come to believe in it. I'm going to pray for willingness. How many of you prayed for willingness to get free of your addiction long before you could manifest any outward act? And then one day, pow, you were delivered. And then you were willing to do shit you weren't willing to do before. And you thought that was you? We did think it was us, didn't we? Then we took it for a test flight and found out it wasn't us. Right? Okay. All right, so that was great news to us, for we'd assume we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we... We accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. Is that true? You sort of looked at the entire doctrine and go, yeah, I I can't buy that whole ship, so I don't even want a meal. Sometimes we do that, right? Okay. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. You guys ever had that thought? How about you guys working with people? Have you ever had that? I guarantee you Chaplain Lee's had that, right? From a completely different angle. Guarantee you if you're doing anything in recovery, people have said that to you. I know it would work for me if I could believe as you believe. How many times have you heard that, Jay? You've heard it. Chap, have you heard it? Sean, you've heard it? Where's my people working with people? You heard that? I could get this if I knew what you knew. No, you could get this if you knew who I knew. And you already do, or you wouldn't be talking to me. Somebody felt that. Who felt that? That's the power we call God. That didn't happen up here. It happened in you. Okay. So, so, but I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. You know why? Because there's a practical lived experience, a manner of living that suggests that I'm going to have to walk out in and grow in understanding and effectiveness. Right? And then it'll be obvious to me what is completely opaque to the guy who hadn't done it yet. But it's not because it's complex, it's because we're asleep. Have you, have you figured that out yet? The entire human race is walking around asleep dreaming they're awake. That's why we keep running into each other. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. You ever found yourself handicapped by those things? The first 100 did. Okay, many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. Any of you get so sensitive? Too much God talk, I'm leaving this group. I've heard it a lot of times. I, I can get annoyed about things like that too, but if I go out and spin out of control, guess what? I'm still sitting behind the dumpster saying, rarely have we seen a person fail. <laughs> anyway. So, 
This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. So you may get overwhelmed by it because, quite frankly, there's, there's prejudice within us of a spiritual nature that, that's going to cause all kinds of attacks to us spiritually, especially as you're starting to wake up. It's going to happen. I'm not trying to give you a religious thing. I'm trying to tell you what happens when we start to wake up. And maybe it's just because we're more aware of all the people shooting at us. We were less aware of once upon a time. But it isn't even people, right? It's family members and supportive people and all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, I think they're all thinking of me all the time. And guess what I learned? Almost none of you think of me as often as I think of me. Okay. Almost. Faced with the alcoholic destruction, we soon became open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. So how many of you were persuaded here by alcohol, methamphetamine, heroin, cocaine, fentanyl, Department of Corrections? Those are institutions and principles. Remember, alcohol is just a symptom. Heroin is just a symptom. There's an underlying cause that causes all these things to continue to occur, right? Um, in this respect, alcohol is a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. How many of you have discovered your active addiction was a tedious process? It's kind of an understatement, isn't it? But now we know we're heard, right? They see us. They hear us. Now, you got a real solution. It makes sense, regardless of my theology, that the power to do better is in me, because at times I've been able to demonstrate it. I just can't keep it fed long enough to stay on top. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. Is that some of you? All that you say is true, but why should I do it? Perhaps you shouldn't. But they're going to give us some more reasons why they did. Does it make sense? So it says, we think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. The practical individual today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. So how many of you believe in electricity? How many of you can explain the complexities of electrical theory? We got one scientist in the room, and even he will acknowledge they call it electrical theory rather than electrical fact because we can't fully comprehend or define. But we believe. Why do we believe? I got the shit shocked up. <laughs> so, in his eloquent way, he's saying he's experienced its effects. So the authors are going to great lengths to show you we don't expect you to come to believe in anything where you can't first experience its effects. So if you believe in electricity, which you cannot see because you've experienced its effects, then we want you to come to believe in God and we're going to show you how to experience the effects of God so that you can walk free in the world. Yes? Who's feeling that? There you go. That's, that's the power we call God. Okay. So then it goes on to say, everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Correct? 
Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? So this was true then, and it's even truer now, right? Because they can doctor photos, they can do all kinds of things digitally, right? Just because they can show you a picture of it. You know what? Anyone ever told you that they saw something on the internet? I know it's true because I saw it on the internet, and it was right there next to unicorns and Bigfoot. And, and it may be, but you can't go to the store and buy one. Okay. Um, it's constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. So do you believe that everything we see here is really not what we see, but it's mighty miniature electrons, tiny electrons whirling around at incredible speed. Yes. So what we really see is light bodies, not the ceiling structure. Right. Do you believe that of you? Do you believe that of the person sitting next to you? Or, do, or is it getting a little foggy now? Because it gets a little different at that point, doesn't it? Because we're all governed by the at, the, at the cellular level, you're these tiny bodies whirling around at incredible speed. Have any of you humans ever discovered the power to be kinder than you feel? Then you've been raised above natural law. Because that's not in you. At the cellular level, you're action-reaction. How many of you have lived some of your life in action-reaction? Hmm. What changed? You might want to know who, right? Okay. All right. So, so what did I do wrong now? Okay. We have no reason to doubt it when, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface, and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. You guys missed it. What did I say? Needs no. Now think of that. We can agree with that. This universe needs no God to explain it. As a matter of fact, I just believe in the universe. The universe will bring it to me. The universe is a created thing. Don't get it twisted. Does it even make any logical sense that, say, everything we can see and all the things we can't see and everything that we're told exists needs no power to explain it? It makes no sense on its face, does it? So, were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. So, some people don't like that description, but how many would have to admit in your addiction it seemed that way? Even post-addiction sometimes, just a, a life-lacking purpose feels like it's going nowhere fast, right? Okay, instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation. Very good, very good. So, intelligent agents. In other words, we want you to wake up and then think, think, think. You were given a mind for a reason. But God expresses himself as power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction. So as we grow consciously... We're walking in an informed walk rather than a slumber. Does it make sense? 
So spearheads means the driving force. So my job is to be evidence of the power's existence in the world. Does that make sense? Okay. And, and my nature wouldn't allow that, so my nature has to be changed as a result of this encounter and then disciplines in these practices. Yes? Any of you else find that you can be really human sometimes? Yeah. Okay. So we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word. The alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. And then they say rather vain of us, wasn't it? So in order to answer that question, we've got to consider alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. How many of you were consulted in your birth? None of you got consulted prior to arrival or even immediately after arrival about whether you were happy with the delivery? So can we assume we don't know anything about the beginning? Well, that, that, you didn't know that then, though, either, right? So now let's take a look at the end. How many of you watched a lot of people die in the very same behaviors you've been engaged in? How many of you oftentimes tried to do it yourself and wondered why it didn't work? So clearly we don't know a hell of a lot about the end, and we're not all that familiar with the middle, many of us. So now we say, well, that was rather vain of us, wasn't it? To think I'm all of it? This world was here for me when I got here. And I was sent here for a purpose because I now know that, but I didn't know it then. I had to go through the experience of purposelessness, which manifested as addiction and all those things, in order to get broken enough to receive what I now walk in. Yes? Okay. And remember, we get here broken, and we don't need more piling on. Encouraging, never discouraging. Right? Okay. So, we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice even against organized religion. So now, those of you who are recovery only, remember recovery has a language? Religion has a language. Talking about the same power, but we can get spitting at each other because we're not paying attention to the way God moves. Yes? And, and, and there's misinformed people in every congregation, whether they're at the AA hall or down at the... Yes? Okay. So don't be prejudiced against organized religion. Organized religion, don't be prejudiced against recovery people. We're, just, we're speaking two different languages, but we're talking about the same power. Okay. All right. So we have learned that whatever the human frailties of the various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. How many of you have noticed that? How many of you have noticed that people in recovery have faith in the recovery process, and you go back and years and years and years, there's people in here that are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of recovery. They have faith in the process, if nothing else. They're demonstrations. They're here over and over and over. Yes? And if you talk to them, they probably have a faith in a lot, in a lot more. But, right? Okay. And the same thing happens in other congregations. So people of faith have a logical idea what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. How many of you tried to fake that funk but never felt it? That's really common instead of encountering power and actually experiencing the real deal is to 
put on a show and, and what the real the reason we turn people off is they don't care what I say until after they've observed what I do. None of us do. Um, instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. Have you ever been that guy? I'm not going there. Those people judge me. <laughs> now, was it their judgment of you or your judgment of them that caused you to leave? See, the manner of living would allow you to discern that. Does that make sense to what I'm telling you? Okay. Um, we talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. I'm going to jump down one more paragraph in the middle. It says, on one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. So we're back to the title of the book. Alcoholics Anonymous is the title of the book. And then they tell you what it is, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. So this is their testimony. That's why it's so important we understand that. So we don't alter it because it's not our right to alter their testimony. We just try and find our place in it. Um, so every one of them has gained access to and believes in. Notice the order. They gained access to the power, and now they believe in the power, even though half of them were atheists or agnostics. Every one. Not some, not whatever nonsense we ever hear. Every one. And believes in a power greater than themselves. This power has, in each case, accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. So they didn't just go sample people who didn't know anything. They went out and sampled doctors, business leaders, lawyers, people that were of the world, had informed belief systems, but they lacked the power to live successfully. And they're all agreeing to this testimony because of this encounter and this rocketing that they experienced. So they flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, <laughs> this is the come to believe step. We first have to recognize the powers within us and that we're experiencing it and indeed we have experienced it and then as we get armed with the facts about ourselves we'll see evidence, further evidence in our story. Yes? How many of you have found evidence in your story where you were being prepared long ago for something you never even wanted? Or at least not consciously. Okay. As a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you need such a revolution? How many of you have been sober a while and periodically we need a revolution? Hence a manner of living, not a workbook exercise, right? Um, in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. So they've told us where, they've told us how, and they've told us how we're going to rec recognize the power we call God by his sensory nature in and through us. You ever notice how when you walk into a room of like-minded people and you start talking about this power and this redemption, you feel them? Because there's one who has all power. That one is? 
This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few, few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. So the step experience and the promises of the steps are intended to show the levels of your consciousness as you're moving through the process, right? They're states of being. They're not, they were never intended to be written on a wall and said, that's the promises of AA when they mean the ninth step promises, which is fairly high consciousness. It's not fully awakened, but I'm starting to see purpose and walk in it. Does it make sense? Okay. So leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Consciousness of presence is the most important fact of our lives. You've heard me say it sometimes from here. I hear it all the time. Joe, how much time you got? And my response is, that is the least interesting thing about me. Ask me who I serve. Yes? What's important is who I am and whose I am. Who you are and whose you are. None of that other horseshit matters. If you know those two things, you own this. Um, this world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. We ask ourselves this, so follow, <coughs> if you're students of history, you know what they're saying. What we know now based on scientific observation because we've been empowered, imbued with a spirit of scientific inquiry that informs us better. We now know that those ideas are silly, yes? His astronomical heresies were that he believed that the, we had a sun-centered universe, not an earth-centered universe, which was correct. Sorry, I'm trying not to catch a cold. <coughs> or perhaps I'm trying to catch it. <coughs> so, are not some of us as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? So am I every bit as prejudiced and remaining in my ignorance about the realm of the spirit because of what I've learned of the scientific method. Maybe. Okay. <clears throat> Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to point, print the account of the Wright brothers. Um, oh, I'm going to jump. I'm going to run out of time here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop. But thanks very much. We'll look at step three next week. Thanks.